With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 250 meters to go. Emissary running on. Goal trip. 150 meters to go. Wondering about getting tired. Emissary is trying very, very hard. But goal trip is brave. Uh, goal trip in 2022. Who will it be in 2023? It is Melbourne Cup Day, the race that stops two nations, yada, yada, yada. You don't need me to tell you how big a deal this is, and you don't need me to offer any insights because I don't really have them. I can ask questions. Louis here to help me, and we've got an amazing guest for you right now joining the program. Andrew Hawkins joins us, international form analyst. Wonderful to have him on the program, Conking content creator for World Horse Racing and author of the famous mega Betfair Melbourne Cup preview. Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time, mate. Is this Christmas Day for you? Oh, look, this is Christmas Day and uh, every uh, special day rolled up into one. Uh, Christmas Day, birthday, um, oh, whatever you want to put into there. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great day for me. I, I look forward to it every year and I'm just uh, I'm, I'm pumped. Bring on today. Like, like overall, before we get into the nitty-gritty, in this day and age of just congested sport everywhere and everyone's fighting for eyeballs and attention, the Melbourne Cup, is it bulletproof? Oh, look, I'm not sure I'd say it's bulletproof, uh, but I think that uh, it is quite extraordinary the way that it, it just manages to, to transcend racing. And I think, you know, these day, this day and age, you have uh, uh, quite a few echo chambers around where you, you hear these things um, that are quite negative about racing and about about the Melbourne Cup. And um, look, I think the the thing is, it, it's still really just has this this ability to connect with people outside of racing um, that no other race has uh, really anywhere in the world. Um, you see people, they, they get to hold the, the, the Melbourne Cup trophy and um, the, the way that they react, it's it's something that you just don't see uh, anywhere else. So, look, I wouldn't say it's bulletproof, but I'd definitely say that it's uh, it, it's got a, a few uh, layers of armour, yeah. Andrew, Louis here. Fantastic to talk again, mate. And uh, uh, look, on today, there's no one I'd rather hear kind of the overall, um, I guess, synopsis of the race from. But I, I wonder, as you talk about, it's not bulletproof. What about the changing DNA of the race with so many internationals, especially these European imports? And, and it seems like if you're a big stable in Australia, if you're not fishing around trying to find these lightly raced stayers out of Europe, well, you're not even trying to win a Melbourne Cup. I mean, does that change your opinion and the way you think about the great race? Look, it definitely changes the race, but it's also had that added element in the last couple of years where the, the vet checks have come in and it means that less internationals are coming down. Um, I think that was also uh, exacerbated by COVID, uh, but it means that you're now getting a lot of these horses down in the way it's getting getting into the race. Um, and so it's changing again. Um, you, you're getting horses in this year, for instance, like a, a true marble who is French bred, but uh, never raced in France, was brought to Australia very young. 
Um, and so, so he's a type of horse who, you know, might've gotten to a Melbourne cup in the eighties, but never would have got in, in the nineties, two thousands, 2010. So look, it, it's changing, but it's, it's changing all the time. And so, so there are different ways you look at it each year. Um, you can, you can only really assess what's, what's put in front of you. Um, I think that, you know, these days you sort of need to, to be across everything and there are still opportunities for, for young you know, trainers to come through and, and get a horse, a horse like a virtuous circle, for instance, coming through and, and getting into the Melbourne Cup this year. What is your overall feelings, your vibe about the field in 2023 for this Melbourne Cup? Does it, does it sort of set up to be a possible classic? It is because the horse is right at the top of the, the market or the top of the, the ratings. Uh, the, the top eight or ten are, are a fantastic bunch. And, uh, look, I think that they, uh, between them, are a sensational group that could potentially produce one of the, the Melbourne Cups of all time. Um, it does have a long tail. There are a number of horses beyond that that you go, mm, okay, uh, probably probably outclassed in a Melbourne Cup. But those top ten really make it, and I think that's what sets it apart from a race like last year where you probably had Two or three that were the really good good types this year. You've got you've got eight or ten there that could just uh, really step forward and look. Uh, over here, we've had we've had classic races in the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate, uh, and it'd be great to have another one in the Melbourne Cup. You you spoke about the well, I guess the difficulties to travel and to come down from Europe and and uh, Britain and raid this race these days. Talk to us about Vauban. Um he give give the listeners Andrew your background on this horse and how long a plan from Willie Mullins this has been to get him in this race and potentially even have to have beaten the handicapper. Break that down for us and the scheme from start to today. Well, he was bought from France by Willie Mullins, uh, both to go hurdling, which is is what uh, Willie does with a lot of his horses. But he saw in him uh, something that thought made him think, look, he could be a Melbourne Cup horse. So this has been uh, years in the planning. Um, he took him hurdling. Uh, he was a champion four-year-old hurdler over there um, in, in Europe. Uh, the, the thing with Europe is that the, the four-year-old hurdlers are juveniles, so he won uh, the Triumph Hurdle at, at Cheltenham, which is, is one of their, their big uh, races for young horses. Um, the Cheltenham Festival is like their Melbourne Cup. Um, came back as a five-year-old and uh, was was okay as a, as a hurdler, uh, but he just wasn't uh, quite up to the level of uh, a couple of them over there, including a, a horse that I think is probably the best two-miler on the planet, a horse called Constitution Hill, um, who is an incredible hurdler. Um, and, and I reckon he'd win a Melbourne Cup if he was giving them 200-metre start. Uh, maybe, maybe not that much, but he's an incredible, incredible horse. Um, so so Vauban had those right form lines. But the thing is, is that when you race over hurdles in the UK, you don't actually have a flat racing um, so he hasn't had a, a flat rating, which means that basically when he went to, to Ascot, um, which is where he won by seven lengths and, and the race that I think got a lot of people very excited about him as a Melbourne Cup horse, um, he was he was off a rating um, that, that was sort of plucked out of thin air and it meant that uh, he really was getting in there with uh, probably the weights that he, that he shouldn't have um, based on his, his hurdle form. That's just not taken into account. Um, so, you know, he's he's played it very well, Willie, to try and get him into the Melbourne Cup with a light enough weight. Um, he won the Group 3 Bally Rowan Stakes last time out, uh, which was 
basically all about getting him qualified for the Melbourne Cup to pass that first clause that you need to be able to get into the race. Um, but the thing is, is that he's been trying to get him here with a light enough weight. He's got 55, which is, is not the lightest of weights, but it still looks like he's ahead of the handicapper based on what he's done um, on, in both, in both uh, principles. Uh, we can tell by your Betfair preview piece, uh, which uh, work of art we could describe as a uh, work of art. Uh, you are tip- you're quite high on Sulcombe, right? Um, and that, of course, means a Kiwi victory because of Chris Waller's passport. Hooray! Well, you can take you can take Chris Waller as uh, as a Kiwi. He's a very proud Kiwi. He uh, uh, is very much uh, flying the flag for New Zealand, and and what he's done since he's come across is really quite extraordinary. Um, I, look, he's, he's a master trainer. Um, he's going to need to be with Solcom though, because Solcom he's probably, well, I, I believe he's as talented as any horse in the race, but he's also quirky. He's missed the start badly at each of his starts this preparation, including in the Caulfield Cup where he missed it six lengths and just uh, didn't even even sort of lunge forward at the start. He, he was on his hunches and just did not want to move. Um, but he gets a jockey aboard in Joe Marrera, Brazilian jockey, magic man, uh, as he's known worldwide, who has a knack with these horses for just being able to, to have those soft hands, get them to move for him. Um, he's coming off an incredible weekend where he rode, I think, 11 from 18, in in Japan, um, 11 winners from 18 starts, um, won a group one there on Friday night. He's just absolutely airborne. Um, look, as I say, he's the magic man. He'll need to be to get Sulcum out of the gates. But if he jumps, he's going to be very, very hard to beat. Um, but again, it is it is a query. Just what does he do at the start? Um, I'm hoping he can get him out of the gates. Oh, he's got the right man on. I just... Andrew, I can't bring myself to back a horse in a Melbourne Cup that may or may not get out of the gates. I just can't do it to myself. It's too long. 3,200's too long to watch a horse out the back paddling and, and trying to hold on to a little bit of hope. So I don't know if I can do it, but I respect your theories as to why he, he really is one of the top selections. Um, you mentioned Joe Marrera. We've got Ryan Moore in town. Of course, James McDonald's the resident world-class jockey amongst uh, Damien Lane, the rest of them. Um, Holly Doyle comes down from the UK as well. So uh, there's a bunny of um, world-class jockeys. I am curious, in your opinion, if you polled those world-class jockeys, where they could be in the running, say, at the 600 in a Melbourne Cup, where would they want to be if the race was run even? Uh, oh, that's a good question because uh, it is one of those things that uh, you just don't know how this race is going to be run. And this year especially, there's a few there that could go forward, put pressure on. I think Holly Doyle on uh, on Future History will be hoping either to be on the speed or just behind the speed. I think she'd love to be tracking up at the 600 metres. Um, I think Gold Trip, James McDonald will be hoping to be in a similar position to what Mark Zara was on Gold Trip last year, just uh, midfield, sort of sweeping around them, coming into it. I think you will have hoped that he's got off the fence um, because he's drawn he's drawn low, so he'll be hoping that he's managed to, to get uh, the right track into the race. Um, uh, Zach Purton there on Absurd, I think he'll be, be hoping that he's within five or six legs, and I think he'll be, be pretty confident. Ryan Moore on Boban. Look, he'll, he'll, he'll either lead or be handy, but I think the way that Boban races, he's, he's got speed, but I think he also can sustain a long run. So I think that he'll be, he'll be probably taking the lead at about the, the 600 metres and hoping that uh, he, can, he can sustain that long run. So it might be a nervous and a long, long straight if you do, do back Boban. <laughs> and... 
Andrew, what I do love about this race, it really it, it captures everyone, right? Um, and it brings in non-experts. I am one of those. I'm one of those weirdos <laughs> who chooses on horses' names and, and stuff like that. So, so give me some advice. Like, I know nothing about like the barrier. Like, how big a deal is that? If I'm to look at someone like Virtuous Circle, because I live in a Virtuous Circle, uh, drawn barrier number six. What does that mean? Like, 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 explain to an idiot. Yes, no, that's absolutely understandable. Look, um, my mum sent me a long message uh, the other day just analysing the Melbourne Cup and she ended up on absurd and military mission because of the names. So, um, you know, she and she probably has a better strike rate than I do in, in the Cup over the years. So, you know, uh, maybe that might be the way to go. Um, no, look, the barrier, it's, it's a long run to the first turn. So they've got they've got... A thousand meters down the straight before they hit that first turn, so they've got plenty of time to find a place. Now, if you're drawn deep from barrier 24, um, it makes it difficult to be able to find a position where you're able to get cover, which means that it means you might be exposed. You might be exposed to the wind. You might be, um, you know, outside horses. You might be travelling a lot further around, um, you know, just basic physics. If, you, if you're if you covering more ground out wide, um, it's not ideal. The, the thing about drawing, say, gate six, for instance, or, or any of those inside gates means that you've got options. You can you can go further forward. You can bring them back. Um, you can enjoy a nice run where you can settle easily. Um, you're, you're not going to be, you're not going to be using a lot of energy early, and that's where it can be so crucial. So a good gate helps. Um, it's not the be-all and end-all in a Melbourne Cup because you do have a lot of time to potentially get into a position, but it just means that you can you have more options to be able to, to, to expend less energy, which obviously is a big thing in the, that final 400 metres. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Uh, Daniel, hopefully you noted all of that down, or at least to have a copy of that audio to replay to yourself before you go to <laughs> your, the, your local TAB to make your selections at 12.01 today. Andrew, I'll get you out on this one. Not to start an international controversy, but it's something I've pondered we like over those. the last... <laughs> we do, yeah. Us, us, the Welsh. Um, now, I'm, I'm very curious what your take is on the emergencies because we've got a, a wait for age 2000 metre group one winner in Ladies Man who, one of our great trainers, Alan Sharrick, or a great racing family, you can't get into this race. And he, he probably performed a little bit below his best. The race shape didn't suit him on, on Derby Day there. So he. Look, he had his chance to win into the Melbourne Cup. He didn't do it. There's subsequently been scratchings, and we can't get ladies' man back into the Melbourne Cup. Is that the way it should be? Should there be emergencies for this race, or is tradition tradition, and it's just everybody knows the eligibility rules and how to get in the race, just like Vauban and Willie Mullins had to get him in and try not give away how good this horse was. So it just is what it is. What's your take? Well, I'm not going to – well, I don't want to disappoint you too much, but I actually had ladies' man – uh, in my very first preview that I did, um, I actually had ladies man on top. So I would have actually had him, I would have had him in my numbers had he got into the field this year. Um, so that's, uh, look, I'm disappointed he's not there. Uh, cause I, I thought New Zealand, I thought New Zealand could win the Melbourne Cup this year. Uh, look, it's it's a thing that comes down to technology, um, but it is quite amazing that in 2023, we don't have emergencies. Um, my understanding is it comes from the fact that um, the Australian tabs and, and other tabs around the world um, are only able to take 24 runners. And so it means that adding another one on will cost millions of dollars to be able to ensure there's emergencies. Now, I would think that there would have to be a way around it, whether it be that uh, a horse is, is inserted into 
the horse that is scratched. So say Cleveland's been scratched, he becomes number 10, takes over the barrier. You, you should be able to do it in this day and age. Um, I think that it's, it's a shame for the race that a, a Group 1 winner uh, two starts back isn't in there. And I think that you look at uh, uh, Saturday's run, he was, he was always going there just to, to sort of have a pipe opener to get him ready for uh, this race, um, you know, you look at you look at what he's done at two miles. It's it's better than a lot of the field. Um, yeah, I honestly am very disappointed he's not there, and and it's something that I think needs to be addressed because it, it, it's it's always better to have that that full field. And uh, ladies, man, it's it's a real shame that he's he's going to be sitting in his box today. So let me, Daniel, let me translate that for you. That is, Andrew saying, that's as archaic as um, a Sri Lankan batsman being timed out in a World Cup of cricket. So it's stupid. Is, that's what Andrew's saying. That is stupid. That well, that, ladies' that, man's not that's on timeless. That's timeless stupidity. So this is timeless stupidity as well, is it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, brilliant. Andrew, who wins? Go on, give me one, two, three. Oh. And I'll completely forget <laughs> the names and change my mind when I'm at the tote. Well, I'm hoping Sulcum wins for Chris Waller, Joe Marrera. I hope he beats Boban, uh, the the favourite at the moment. We'll see if he starts favourite. And uh, I've put in the old-timer, the, the 2019 winner, Vow and Declare for third, uh, just ahead of Absurd. But I think Vow and Declare, absolutely flying. Uh, I think he can run a massive race, and he's about 30 to 1 or something like that uh, at the moment. So you'll probably get about 30 bucks on the tote. Uh, I think he's he's the 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 smoky and the one to include. If you're having Quinella's uh, trifectas, make sure you've got Bow and Declare in there. So, uh, but uh, look, Sulcum for me. I'm hoping Joe Moreira can get him to jump. But uh, what Louis said about about not being able to back a horse that can't jump, I can understand that. Well, Andrew, we appreciate your Stephen Hawking's level of knowledge uh, on the Melbourne Cup. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, enjoy the great day. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Have a great day.